Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting, as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I am... uh, having a fun day today thinking about what has happened. We are uh, almost exactly one year into this. Excuse me for using the word pivot, but we all thought that this was just going to be like a two week thing where we all kind of sidestepped and stayed at home. And then uh, after a few months, we realized that wasn't the case. And then now we're a full year in and a lot of us have had to make a a very large decision where if we were going to get out of the industry if we're going to stay in the industry, obviously we can't do live events, not quite yet. Uh, a lot of good things are starting to happen. I'm starting to see people return to work slowly, but a lot of us had to make a decision if, if how far we would transition and what that entails. Um, a lot of us, we're trained only, we're only trained to do this. We've This has been our life. It's our hobby. It's our livelihood. It's our legacy. It's everything that we know. So for us to get too far out of the industry is, is, is scary and frightening altogether. So a lot of us have been able to be a little more clever and find ways to stay in our industry and just transition our skill sets to go from mega live events like EDM world and arenas and theaters. And we've been able to just transition to still telling that story through the digital world through our tiny little monitors, through our phones. And I thought today would be a great day to reach out to somebody who's been very successful at making that transition. So I hope you guys will welcome Eric Rogers and Paris Vizzoni from Hello Productions. And today we have a special guest, Tony Caporali of Infinitus Vox, who has been helping the cause. Thank you so much, Eric, Paris, and Tony. I really appreciate you being on the, the show today. Yo. Hello. Thanks Hello. for having us. So, uh, Tony, we're going to get to you very soon because I know that you have, uh, we've uh, we already started off on a great conversation, but let's kind of give the audience a little idea of what Hello Productions is and how Hello Productions came to be. And let's start with Eric here. Uh, Hello Productions came to be on a phone call after watching the very first high profile live stream event to benefit the, the, concert industry after the pandemic hit. Um, I was watching it. I was thoroughly underwhelmed by it. And uh, I was was actually playing Call of Duty with Paris uh, about three o'clock in the morning. And I dropped a, oh, by the way, did you see that live stream? And she's like, no. So I I texted her a link and uh, she watched it. She's like, what's the big deal? And I was like, we could do better. That's how it got started. That's how things start. That is a great way to get things to say, hey, there's a need to make that better and I can do it. I just love the lead in that they were both playing Call of Duty. 
<laughs> Still well play Call of Duty. <laughs> well done. I'm proud of you too. That's awesome. <laughs> the best. Anyway. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I share that sentiment, Eric. I was also underwhelmed. Uh, seeing the the stones in their living room was it was something. You're like, yeah, thank you guys for doing that, but man, it was completely underwhelming. That's not why I go it's not why I want to see the stones. I don't want to see them in their living room. I want to see the stones at Madison Square Gardens. I want to see them at yeah. Wembley Stadium. That's where they belong. I mean, I get why I get the whole thought process behind that video. It was it was artists showing solidarity with the crew and we're all stuck at home and this this whole thing just fucking sucks. But these are these were artists that we all look up to. These are these are like the upper, upper, upper echelon of artists. And it literally looked phoned in as in filmed with an iPhone. <laughs> right. And a lot of it I think was filmed with an iPhone. And it was just kind of one of those they they did a great thing. They made they made a lot of money. They raised a lot of awareness or whatever. But I think they set the standard really low for what live streaming concerts could be. Oh, I fully agree with you. Their, their content was genuine. It was wonderful. But it was the little things that, like even Lady Gaga, her her microphone was backwards. And in a, an entire industry of people out of work, especially sound and lighting people, it, you you would think that somebody could have at least got a sound person in there to make sure that Lady Gaga's <laughs> microphone was the right, the proper direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, well now we're here, so we can, we'll, we'll turn that microphone. <laughs> if uh, any Lady Gaga's people are listening, we're in Nashville. We can do this for you. Not a problem. <laughs> Eric is very good at making sure which direction the microphone is at. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he's been properly trained in uh, microphone orientation <laughs> yeah speaking of which how did a, a front of house guy end up on a lighting podcast I mean... <laughs> <laughs> that those are the pivots Des those are the positions yeah, that we have to make desperate times desperate times call for desperate measures <laughs> thanks thanks for uh thanks for welcoming me to your tribe this is pretty cool <laughs> yeah man <laughs> if we start using any jargon that uh, goes over your head just uh, let us know or raise your hand <laughs> and i'll have tony help you <laughs> oh god I'll try cool. My so, best. what was the what was the first step once you realized that you could do better? What does what did Eric and Paris have to do to to prove to everybody that you guys could do better? Um, so basically, Eric called all of his relationships from his twenty years of fifteen years. How old are you? I don't know. Old. Forty um, three. I've been doing this since I was twenty. So. So Jesus. he called all of his friends and got every piece of equipment that we needed to make these happen. Um, and we started filming shows, just went right into it. Yeah, first artist we did was Jared Weeks from Saving Abel. And back in 2012, I was front of house and tour manager for Saving Abel. So I was, we're trying to figure out who we could get. We'd been on the phone with artists and managers and we got a bunch of maybes. And we decided that we were just gonna move to Nashville and do this. So I called Jared from Saving Able said, hey man, I'm doing this thing. I know you got a new band, you want to? And he said, yeah. It just kind of rolled in from there. We just did a, a bunch of man's, bands, uh, met a lot of new people and it was awesome because every, everyone was winning at that point. We were all getting to touch gear that we haven't touched in a while. We were, bands were getting new content when their content was, you know, usually from the living room and <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun. 
What um what band is Corey Taylor from? That he's from he's just from Slipknot. Slipknot. Yeah, my buddy Bobby Gray did something. And it's it's kind of cool. You guys mentioned that. You know, some artists that just have their normal bands are like branching out and doing a thing. I know Corey Taylor. I guess had a side project or something going on where he did a live stream as well. So it's kind of cool because I think some artists are actually branching out, trying some different things too in the midst of all this. So we're getting like a new look on things and different content and stuff like that from some of the bands we love. And, you know, it's kind of cool to see some of that happening as well. For sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are doing specialty shows. Like we just did one with Bayside where they did an album that it's their 10 year, um, reunion for this album coming out and they said they wouldn't have done a whole tour on it but they did a live stream so it's something that normal you know fans would like but it wouldn't actually work as a, a physical tour so mm -hmm. that's really cool too it's cool to see artists doing things that are way out of their wheelhouse too like felix cavallari his fan base has never really done anything internet based without asking their grandkids to help and yeah. next thing you know here's this legendary guy doing a live show on Dude. the internet. And it's, it's saddening to me because, you know, figuring out who that guy was when he came in that day and I'm actually listening to music. I'm like, Holy shit. I mean, it's like grooving on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, like all those ones, you hear those fucking songs on a daily basis, you know? I mean, it was insane. Wait, were you one of the ones that thought that he was a cover band too? <laughs> More than likely, yeah. Like all, I of the, all of our camera crew, all the girls thought that it was a cover band. It's like, surely this can't be the guy. You know, almost when you listen to the music and it's like, oh my gosh, here stands a legend amongst us. It's almost like you didn't believe it, you know? And he was such a sweetheart to everyone too, you yep. know? I mean, yeah. most kindest, genuine guy. I mean, still has all the swagger and talent, you know? I mean, it, it, was, it was a real pleasure and an absolute honor to be on that one, man. That was, that was totally cool. That's a new element I hadn't even considered before that you're actually providing a, a crucial service to the artist to to really try out new gear in a in a low stress environment. They're not it's not nearly the same uh, risk or investment that you would have to do for even a theater show or a, definitely not a tour where you have to hire, you know, a team of people, get the van or booking shows. I mean, there's a room available, a level technicians available at a, at a decent price and and then up and running and you can broadcast that out to basically unlimited amount of people. Yeah. Well, the really cool thing is we are not actually, we're recording every show. So there's even more flexibility to try out anything new because the essence of the show is live. It's mixed live. It's performed live. But if something goes wrong, if something isn't, if this new lighting fixture isn't doing what we thought it was supposed to do, or it needs to be better, or something needs to get changed or, a guitar string breaks or whatever, we could stop and edit it and the audience still gets that full live show experience without all of that ancillary bullshit that we go through when we try to make this work right. Yeah, and a lot of times too, you know, like when you, the, the mad scramble, it just, it, it almost automatically keeps your nerves a little bit more at ease because we all know that when we do a live show, live live show sometimes, you know, uh, you know, we've done a million under our belts, all of us, you know, but the, would be lying if you still didn't say you had those nerves or that anxiety that can set in once in a while. That's just a, a part of, of the rush of being live, you know? So some of that stuff with having those factors on your side, you know, it does put a few of the, those things at ease, you know, which makes, you know, 
no one's fucking freaking out, you know, when something happens, right. you know, I think there's a little bit more of a slow burn there, you know, to be able to recover. And then, you know, the artist knows that they're, you know, they're being taken care of. And that's the one thing too. the crew that they have working there, like Hannah and all them that help out at all the shows, dude, like, like people that really care that, you know, are just in there just to be there because they love the gig, you know, as we all do. So it was, uh, it, it's, it, they got a good family in there. I wouldn't even call it a crew. I'd call it a family. Yeah, for sure. Right on. That, uh, that's actually a really good segue to my next question, Tony. What sort of things do you have to consider? Cause you, you're very accustomed to giant arena style size shows where you've got 400 odd moving lights. Yeah. What sort of, what sort of, uh, mental, hoops have you had to jump through and what sort of transitions have you had to make in your head to be prepared for internet broadcasting as opposed to putting on a, a live, live show for 20,000 people? It's it's cool that you mentioned that because I've gotten quite the workout in the past year on live internet streams, but also in very different scenarios. Um, the Billie Eilish live stream that we did for XR, it's like I was had to throw my thinking into a whole another realm of things, you know, because the XR really drove that whole show. So, you know, when I'm working with like 22 degrees is uh, Madigan Stelly and Joe Watrick was our programmer for that one. We had to think of very intricate ways to not make the XR, you know, we had to keep the reality there. So there was like an approach to lighting that one. And then, you know, when we're uh, hello, you know, we're doing it more of like a true concert environment. So, I think that I've just had these different scenarios pop up that have definitely forced me to think a lot of different ways, but all in all, you're, you're lighting the money. You know, everyone's going to tell you the one thing, keep that money lit. And that is always going to be a constant, whether you're in broadcast or live, you know, you keep that money lit and keeping them looking the way that they want. You're going to have a happy client up on stage and we get the attaboy no matter what realm we're in, you know, as far as I look at it. But I mean, the weapons are different for sure. You know, cause if you're bouncing from, from different live streams where you're helping out, you know, there's going to be different fixtures allotted and stuff like that. But um, it's our job to make the most out of it and to make the show cool. You know, that's what we're brought in to do. And, you know, I'm just thankful to be helping out with things like this with such good people. So do you find it easier or more difficult knowing that there's only three or four uh, viewpoints as opposed to 20,000 viewpoints? Are you, are you doing a, is it easier to just cater to the four cameras that are on site? I feel less judged, you know, versus an arena full of 20,000 people that notice a fuck up and can judge you like, Oh, or getting called out. You know, we can, that, that's a good thing about uh, hello as well. It's like, you know, they shit on lighting, you know, that, that, that cue's fucked up. We can cut that out of the, the uh, performance. <laughs> yeah, right? I use a different you angle know. where you can't tell or, as much. Or, or, Paris, or Paris will just have it in the extras. You know, you can yeah. you can purchase, you know, if you want to see the lighting guy get cussed out, you know, uh, for, you know, nominal fee, you can pay uh, for that extra content. <laughs> no, it, yeah. in reality, it's me looking back at him going, are you kidding me? Because uh, yeah. I just think it's so great. <laughs> he does these little things where I'm just like, wow, dude, you're really showing off now. <laughs> Oh, try. I got to keep them interested. I always try to set the bar really low so I can work yeah. up from there. You know, that's, that's, you know, it's tend to tend to work yeah. out. And yeah. Under promise and over deliver. Right. That, that's right. My friend. Hey, you guys keep me around. I mean, that's uh, I'm, I'm here with you right now. So something worked in the past year. So, so Eric, you've been doing uh, arena style touring for, for several years now. I'm sure you're very accustomed to all the logistics necessary of booking 
hotels and rooms and bus transportation and all that. Have you had to completely switch your thought process for this sort of production where everybody's kind of sitting in place and you just have to bring in a few people and, and you still have to change over to, for COVID protocols? Is that easier or more difficult? I would say it's the same. It's just a, it's just a different set of parameters. When we put this together, we we do our shows as a touring show. So we have a whole stage crew. We have our assistants in the office. We have the hospitality people. We have a COVID compliance person. We we sanitize. We do all the all these things that are necessary for this show. But you know, as a as a production manager, that's what you do anyway. You just do what's necessary for the show. I just don't have to book anybody's travel. I don't have to find lost <laughs> luggage. There is an issue though with being home because when you're on tour, everyone's available all the time. But yeah. when we're at home, it's like, oh, I can't do it, or this came up, and I'm like, oh no, I can scramble to find someone else. So it's there's definitely that aspect where you we kind of have to have our roster of people like in line because if someone can't do it then we we have to we have to figure it out so that's probably the only difference and there's other you gotta keep that roster guys. two and three deep now yeah adam and uh brandon that also worked there too i mean like brandon i think was there before even i was there helping him out and it's just you know like they said you know you got your roster around it's good dudes that can be there for you if one isn't you know uh have a backup to a backup it's like hard drives you know it's like we always <laughs> want to have a backup to a backup that you can trust so um, yeah, i think the only people who don't have a backup in the company are me in paris <laughs> yeah when you guys go down it's like i'm calling it now i'm not i'm not calling the show it's like well, uh, <laughs> the whole time me. we're just like please don't get covid please don't get COVID. yeah but no i gotta say though like uh piggybacking off of what they just said about like you know, doing all the COVID compliance stuff. I, I feel like doing these two, it's almost been a good practice for when things start to come back for real, because I think everyone's almost, that's been doing the live streams almost has this understanding of like what's coming at us when we go, even go back to the live realm. I think, you know, a lot of it's going to be sticking around, you know, maybe not as hardcore now that the vaccine's kind of happening amongst the world, but you know, there will be some protocols, I think, for safety measures that we're going to take that we've noticed and had during these live stream experiences uh, out to the live world again as well. So I, I think a lot of that's, if, you know, not everything, but a good bit of it's still going to have to be in play to be able to do with this stuff again. So I yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah. In fact, uh, along those same lines, I think one of the things that is going to be a full transition now for the industry is that I don't think there will be sold out shows anymore. I think from now on when live shows return, once a show sells out, I think we're going to be able to reach out to somebody like hello productions. And we're going to say, Hey, we sold out, but we still want to sell more. We will still want to allow more people to view it. Can you come in and film it as well? And we can sell it to another unlimited amount of people. Do you think that's going to stick around uh, for good? This, yeah, hello is going to last a lot longer than a pandemic. It, we never considered it a stopgap measure. This was, it was, well, Godsmack's not touring now. What are we going to do? This is what we're going to do. And it wasn't, it was never conceived as a, we're just going to do this until dot, dot, dot. It was, this is, this is our new thing. And we're going to do our new thing until it runs its course, whether that's 20 years or two years. I don't know. We're continuing to build it. And it is, it has, it has everything 
in place to outlast a pandemic because there's a need that it were in the in the industry and in the world at large that we're filling. Yeah, That's I mean cool. we've been um, we've been on Clubhouse a lot actually, like listening. I don't know if you guys are are in the Clubhouse, mm-hmm. but oh uh, yeah, it just started. It's it's this new anomaly, man. It's yeah. like all of a sudden I just see everyone on it, and I was like, I feel like I'm like. I'm like the you literally are the fly on the wall in yeah. these conversations in a way. It's it's kind of cool. I, d- I dig it. It's cool, but yeah, but we we listen to a lot of them, and it's it's very much moving in the direction where they're like, this is not going away. It's not going to replace touring, but it's definitely supplemental. Like it it will bring money that you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. And streaming platforms are raising boatloads of venture capital right now. So with with, comp- with like the major companies like Live Nation buying out Veeps and other platforms raising $15 million in venture capital, like they're putting a lot of money into getting shows like the shows that we make onto the screens of the general public. People don't spend $15 million because they're bored in the middle of a pandemic. Right. <laughs> No, uh, in fact, let me, let's explore this a little bit and please let me know if we're overstepping anything uh, that's in your wheelhouse. But competing online for people's attention is very difficult. Uh, Are you finding ways to make that profitable? We make shows that don't suck. (laughs) Well, awesome. That's 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 the secret, isn't it? We've looked at all the content that we've seen. We've seen the shows and, and, we're different. We shoot from a different perspective. We mix the audio from a different perspective. Like we try to make our shows immersive and, and artist focused instead of that third person, you know, guy with an iPhone in the 600 level of a stadium. Like we're right there front and center and we're just creating compelling content. Cause that's what the audience wants. I just, they, they want something that they want to watch, not some, and we want them to watch for more than the average person on, say, Instagram or whatever. You see a video, it's three right. seconds. <laughs> I think like, it's more personable too, like for the artist. Like, how many times can you say that they've come in, you know, when they go in to do a show, like they have this like routine or like you know a music video shoot, like where they're coming in for something like this, and it's just, uh, you know, I, I think Paris here tell me the story about the guys from. Um, shine down they were just so personable and like joking around with everyone and they just made it kind of make it feel at home with everyone versus some of those like nervous feelings where they have all these eyes watching them from a fan perspective Mm -hmm. i think they can be a little bit more like themselves sometimes when they're in an environment and it's not twenty thousand eyes at once on them you know i i I do believe that in a way you know definitely so there's a lot of artists out there that really are actually stage fright they actually do get really nervous up there i would imagine that being in a in a warm welcoming environment with the closest friends would allow them to be a little bit more and kind of bring themselves a little bit yeah absolutely cool it sounds like a lot of people are seeing something new i'm sure that you we all know on this on this podcast that we've all had to rely on that person filming a show from the 600 section from their iPhone for archival purposes, something we've had to go and kind of look at that. If I had something like Hello Productions to go look at, I would be far, I would be so much farther than to piece together things from Mr. and Ms. John Q. Public 
filming the show with their iPad in front of everybody else yelling at them for iPads up in the up in the nosebleeds. Yeah, good point. I mean, that, it's it's a okay. revenue stream for the artists. It's a revenue stream for the labels. Everybody wins. If you put together good, compelling content and you get it out to to the people that want to consume it, you can't lose. It pushes merch. It, it will push ticket sales. I believe when touring comes back because it's keeping people engaged. Tony, how are you at making these things more impactful? You know, you and I both know how to fill an arena light. Are mm-hmm. you getting better and better at filling a, a small, tiny, ten sixty eight seven twenty monitor light? I'm trying. <laughs> I think it's a, <laughs> it's still a work in progress because I find myself like slapping my hands a lot when I'm hitting like, you know, big fanning presets in some of the places where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like, you know, two feet of that out fan is already into a curtain over here. So, you know, or, you know, <laughs> limit, limiting my effect sizes, you know, so uh, or effects widths, uh, for, if we must speak MA speak, uh, you know, limiting my widths down a little bit more to keep it a little bit more compressed. I think it's it's really been good practice. And like I said, like, there's a lot of things that I think, you know, whether I'm, you know, going to be doing live shows or live streams, I think that there's doing this has definitely brought me back to an essence on like how to look at things. You know, a lot of these, you know, when we're putting some of these shows together so quick, a lot of these bands don't have tracks and time code. And, you know, a lot of those luxuries that we're used to on bigger shows where this truly proves to you like, you know, where, you know, where your chops came from, you know, like I always tell people before time code, you know, I had hands, you know what I mean? Like, it's just with being able to do the chops and the creativity and keeping with the band, it's like you're in the band again, you know? And I think that's something I've been able to get back to and really rekindle, which has been fun. Um, And you learn those limitations all over again, just the way you started before you had all these luxuries. So it's, it's been, it's been humbling. It's for me in a way. So. From the few that I've watched, I'm I'm seeing what exactly what you're talking about. I'm seeing a return to sh- the use of shadow and light play, and just lighting, up lighting, and then opposed to down lighting, and just changing them on the beat to match the the emotion. I'm seeing a lot of that. It's it's really a return to what's important. And keeping it in a box, you know, I mean, if you will, like you know, whatever your si- your stage size is, it's like keep playing your angles, you know, because you know we get more dramatic effects the more we shift that around, you know. And I'm always been a big fan of like, you know, really close, like almost like, you know, if you got like JDCs or strobes and stuff like that, or for instance, on ours, we have the nitros uh, at hello, like where you can get that strobing, that kind of erratic left to right uh, from our side floor towers that we've been using. And you get some really cool effects. I know it picks up on Paris's lens really well. And just, mm-hmm. it's just some of those kind of fun effects that we can replicate. We can still replicate from arenas that we can do other places. You know, I just think it's uh making sure you have those group masters uh, on hand to be able to pull it down. So you're not blowing the poor artists out. Cause where those fixtures are usually on a 60 by 40 stage, a lot, a lot wider, they're up in your grill a little bit more on some of these places. So, you know, definitely being like, okay, I can't let that go over 50% the whole show, you know, and, and, and Paris will, will tell you about the look, you know, I will get the look, you know? So I'm like, all right, I got to dial that one back. So it's fun. It's like, and that's the thing, I think like once, you know, it's like anything else, like with people you collaborate with, the more reps you get in, you know, you're going to understand people, you know, more what they want 
or if you get a certain look, you know instantly what that is. Not looking at it, like, I wonder why they're staring at me right now. And it's twice as hard when you got a mask up too. And you're just sitting there staring at each other and you're just like, what do they mean? I see their eyes squinting. Are they mad? <laughs> you know? Um, so it, it, it's, it's a funny dynamic, but again, it's, it's, it's all, you know, our, our industry is about learning people as we go and as we work and collaborate together. And that's the beauty yeah. of it, you know? That's the thing about Tony too. It's like, I don't know how you know what I want like immediately, but it is insane. Like think, I'll just like look back and like kind of point at something cause I am holding a camera. Like I can't really tell him. And he just knows automatically. I think <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's a good instinct I picked up in clubs coming up. Yeah. I think, I think there's just a second nature to like freehand stuff where, you know, like you said, an instinct, it's, I definitely feel like it's still there to this day, which I've been very blessed to keep because it can dwindle from time to time on people. But like, I just kind of know, like if something's wrong and you know where it's at on your board and what you need to grab quickly to rectify that situation, those are just those hot triggers you need to keep close to be able to make stuff like that go away in an instant. And sometimes, you know, if, if she notices it, they're going to notice it on stage, you know, and, you know, it's just things like that where like, you know, keep your, keep your safety handles very, very close to you to be able to get you out of some of the shit situations. If something goes wrong or if something's lit wrong, or, you know, you could have just fucked up a cue, you know, I mean, Oh shit. Yeah, I you have go to, back, you know, that's that, that telepathy has to be maintained. If you lose it, you, you, you it takes time to rebuild it. 100%. Yeah. Eric in Paris, who does most of the staffing? Um, it's 50, 50. Like, uh, if it's, if it makes noise or involves the stage, it's me. If it's a visual thing, it's her. Okay. What are the what are the crew? Uh, what's the crew response to this? Is it uh, are you getting generally positive responses from the crew to, to come out and shoot for a day or two, as opposed to going oh, out on get, tour? It's overwhelmingly positive. Um, early on, when we first got started, our crew volunteered because this was we oh, were wow. asking our friends to help us prove a concept. Um, is and with the promise that as soon as we can pay you, we will pay you. And as the pandemic kind of drug out and, and it lasted longer, all these, these guys went to go get real jobs. And now it's when I, we have a show coming up and I, I make the group text, Hey, are you guys available? Literally they'll, they take off of work because they want to go do a gig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's who we are. I, I can only imagine that that makes people not want to hire us because we know that we will be abandon them at the first <laughs> sign of anything that's not working at Whole Foods or uh, at the the hardware store. We we will, I would no call no show on a hardware store in a heartbeat. And, it's uh, been a true. There any hardware? There any hardware owners listening right now? Please don't hold that against me. I'm I'm going to bail on you if Eric gives me a call. I, I guarantee it. <laughs> It's been a, a true frustration in a way because, you know, as as this thing hit, and it's crazy because we're at, you know, you see all the social media posts in this week so far, and it's a lot of us reminiscing about when everything happened. You know, we're pretty much at the anniversary this week or the, the end of last, you know, mm -hmm. and when you're trying to figure out what to do with yourself, I think that was the hardest thing for me because I was like, okay. Uh, I have certain skill sets that I can't use right now. What else do I have? You know, and I graduated from school with a video like editing degree. So like when I would hit up TV firms and be like, yeah, here's my thing. And they're like, where's your sizzle reel? I'm like, 
what the hell is a sizzle reel? Like, I mean, it's like, I didn't know like the modern concept of all these collections of work. I just have stuff like that live, you know? And, you know, for me and like any kind of like content stuff that I used to do, like it's, it's outdated. And, you know, so there's this frustration that builds because it's like one, you know how to do it, but you don't fit the description one. And two, they're going to look at you like they were saying, it's like, well, this guy's going to probably go back as soon as this thing's over. So we want long-term people. Why hire him? You know, or Mm -hmm. you get the question like, and I'm humble enough to say like, and I told people this, you know, it's like, I'm just happy to be working. I'm happy to do what to do where I'm needed to do it, you know? And I've gotten a few of those denials because it's like, you know, I hate to say it to you, but you're overqualified and it still hurt. You know, it's like, but listen, it's like, I'm not vain enough to sit here and say if I'm overqualified or not. I'm not that big of an asshole. Like, I mean, I try to be nice, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, I don't think that way about things. And I think to survive in this business, you have to be humble and not think that way. And I think that's where programs like theirs succeed so well, you know, it's because you don't act that way. You know, you're going to do what you need to do to be able to make a production happen and be a part of it. And you're hungry enough to go out there looking for it and make sense of it all and make something happen. I think that's the biggest thing through all this. Paris, would you say that's the general consensus? People are just excited to just come down and touch gear that they haven't touched in a while? I think so. And I think like, it's weird because I've sort of come into this management role where I've never, I've always worked alone. Like, and now I have a team of people and I'm just, we, we try to treat them how we wish we're treated. You know, I'm like very appreciative all the time and thank everyone. And when they do something great, I tell them, you know, so that it's that sort of attitude where I just hopefully moving past this whole pandemic thing that if, if that's the only thing I take away is that, you know, letting people know they're appreciated and that their time is valuable and that they're doing something for us, for them. And, and everyone's, you know, coming up together. That's, that's the main thing. It's just, it's just good vibes. That's cool. That yeah. makes me want to move to Nashville and be become the, the Tony replacement when Tony's busy yeah. at the hardware store. Hey man, let's do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll build you a new work box. <laughs> cool. Eric, if people want to reach out to Hello Productions, where can they find you? Oh, you can find us on any social platform. It's at Hello TV with three O's. You can find us on our website at Hello TV with three O's.com or Hello Productions.com. It goes to the same spot. It's very easy to just put in hello videos and it, it's uh, it's yeah. usually the top of the search. Nice. That's cool. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Are Trending, you, brah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Facebook, go. Insta, YouTube, LinkedIn, if anybody does that, uh, <laughs> where it's just hello with three O's TV. You got to tell the story of how hello came to be. We still have uh, like three more minutes left. Let's, let's hear that story. So <laughs> let's hear Paris's Eric side I, first and then let's hear Eric's side of the story. <laughs> it's the same story. Eric and I <laughs> tour with Godsmack when, when touring happens. Uh, and the band assistant, his name is Todd, but what they call him Fester because he looks like Fester, but it's actually Festa because Boston. So Festa. Uh, and um, he, he looks like he, well, it's, it's that uh, only audio, the light bulb in his yeah. mouth, and that's Festa. There, there, there he is. There's Festa right there. Um, yep, I see so it. He is an angel, and uh, 
sometimes he just gets a little creepy and he would always just say hello like like that's his catchphrase hitting on on someone and also you know silence of the lamb shit and then (laughs) and then there's also like the what are you doing like hello like also like duh yeah (laughs) there's just many forms of hello but. So I, I was pitching out the, the dumbest names for the, like, I, I, I came up with the COVID concert, concert series. That, that was pretty dumb. Uh, I don't remember some of the other really stupid names for this company, <laughs> but I, I came up with some really, really bad ones and I'm, I'm rattling them off to Paris. And the, she goes, no, that's, that's terrible. Hello. <laughs> and it was like light bulb. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Uncle Fester light bulb, literally. Yeah. So then, we, oh wow! <laughs> so uh, if you ever watch one of the our our shows, you watch all the way through the credits, then you'll see our logo and you'll hear "Hello." We actually got Festa to uh, record his best "Hello" and yes, send it to us. It's creepy. You'll awesome. Love it. Yeah, uh, that's a good little Easter egg there. And uh, now we're not answering his calls. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So if anybody's looking for a good Easter egg, well, go to Hello Productions and check it out and then and wait all the way for the actual Fester Hello. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Well, right on. Thank you guys so much for your time. And I definitely look forward to sending this out and uh, letting people know that uh, they can get whatever production needs they have met with the Hello Productions. Awesome. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you man. so much. <laughs>